Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. I invite you to turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. The text for our study this morning will be Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The reading of the sacred word. May God now add a blessing to the hearing and to the doing of it. Let's pray. God, we recognize that it is not by accident that we are here. It is not by chance that we've come to this place, and it's certainly not by chance that the scriptures that we are focusing on today have been aligned before us for our consideration. And Lord, my prayer today for your people is that you might remove every possible obstacle that would stand in the way of understanding something about you that changes something about us. Open our minds and open our ears, open our hearts that we may receive some word of transformation, some truth that helps us endure one more week, that we may follow you well. We are listening now. We are focused. Speak, we pray. Amen. Today is the third and final part of a three-part series called The Games. For the last three weeks, as the games in, in, in Rio have been under, underway, we've been taking a close look at a few of the passages from the Apostle Paul, where Paul presumably had witnessed the games in action, the Greek games or at least the off-season Olympic Games, which we call the Isthmian Games. And so from his perspective, we've been looking at some Pauline passages that have attempted to take what he saw in person, what he saw in the flesh, and use as a metaphor for the Christian life. Paul said things about the Christian life, the nature of this Christian journey, like this in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that, the, that, that in a race... All the runners compete, but only one receives the prize. 
run in such a way that you may win it. And for the last two weeks, we've been talking about what is that prize, this race that we're in? What are we running for? And where is the goal so that we don't run aimlessly? What is this prize? And what we have been saying is that the prize, unapologetically, uh, uh, is, is knowing Christ and being known by him. That's what we've said. That the prize that we're after is nothing less than, nothing more than, nothing other than knowing Christ and being known by him. But what we've said these past two weeks is if we want to get that prize, if we want to, through the journey that we make over all the obstacles and throughout the course that we run, the highs and lows, if we want to know Christ through the, through the journey of our life, we can't get to that prize unless we get in the game. So that's what we've been saying. You can't win the prize unless you get in the game. And what we've been doing with each other for two weeks, now three, is we've issued a kind of mutual call upon each other to not be spectators in the great Olympiad of your life, to not be spectators in the grand Olympiad of your life, but to be participants, to be on the field, on the track, in the water, whatever the race may be. So we said, it's not even enough that you just get in the game. But last week we said, if you want to win the prize, you got to get in the game. But you, once you get in the game, it, it requires everything in you. There are no halftime athletes in this journey. It requires everything that you've got to give. So last week we said, once you're in the game, you've got to train hard. That means we come to church and we study in Sunday school and in Bible study and small group and in prayer and the spiritual disciplines that wake us in the morning and send us to bed at night and everything we could possibly do to condition ourselves for this race that will take everything that we've got to finish. This is why Paul talked about it this way. He was humble, you know, and he said things like this in Philippians. Uh, well, in first, yeah, in Philippians, he said, Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but this one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. So that's where we've been these past couple of weeks. I want to take that one step further today. I want us to live even more deeply into a couple of these passages today. But to begin, can I just ask you this? Have you noticed today the, the Olympics end this evening? There's a ceremony, there's a thing, you know. But have you noticed how many events are in the Olympics now, nowadays? I mean, so many individualized, interesting, <laughs> bizarre events. Now, you know that the very first Olympiad in 776 B.C., was basically one event. It was a 200-meter dash. We've talked about that. Just one 200-meter foot race. Every four years, they'd get together from all the different city-states, and they'd compete. And in time, they added other events, like a 400-meter race, a javelin throw, a discus throw, boxing, wrestling, and it remained that way with few sports, few events for a long period of time. But did you know that in Rio... This year, there are 11,551 athletes who have gathered to compete from 200, I think, uh, 207 countries. Leave it there for just a minute. 207 countries or regions or, or Olympic councils have come together. 
That includes groups that are, that are not officially countries, but regions. There are people who have come to compete in this Olympiad from Kosovo, South Sudan, and in one non-state, um, the experience of being a refugee. You, you know there was a refugee team that competed. We're going to say more about that in just a moment. 207 countries have come together to compete in 306 events, over 28 sports. Two, 306 events all over the board, events such as badminton. You know you programmed your DVR for that one, don't you? <laughs> badminton, that's right. Or this one, women's boxing which just intimidates the lights out of me, right? Or perhaps the most bizarre of all events that I've seen, Olympic race walking. Everybody's heard about the bird. No kidding. Look at this, guys. Look at these guys. It's a real sport. You know it. You watched it. Just take that in for just a minute, <laughs> right? Interesting, unique, bizarre sports that characterize this year's Olympics. Okay, that's good enough on that one. <laughs> but it caused me earlier this week to begin asking myself, now what other kinds of sports in the history of the Olympics have come and gone that have been so bizarre that they even are stranger than the Olympic race walk? Did you know that at the turn of the century, tug of war was an Olympic sport? Did you know that there were also some swimming events? For example, there was underwater races. There was diving for depth or plunging for depth. There were obstacle courses, racing in the water. But maybe the most interesting swimming event that's come and gone, maybe the most ox oxymoronic <laughs> is solo synchronized swimming. <laughs> Not kidding. I think that's her foot. I... All right. There are also sports that have come and gone, but there are some that have not come, but they may show up in the 2020 Olympics. There are some under discussion right now. For example, there may be Olympic surfing. There may be Olympic bowling. And there may be, believe it or not, Olympic dancing <laughs> no joke there we go <laughs> but all of these all of these sports in all their individuality in all of their uniqueness in all of their distinctiveness has caused me to think this week a little bit about the parable of it all the life lesson that it offers us see the text that we read just a moment ago it sets it up for us this conversation this is the text. Read it again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Now, we're going to work our way backward through this verse, but I want to start at the end. That last phrase is the most important one of the sermon. The race that is set before us. The older I get, the longer I live and love and lead, the more it is clear to me 
that there is a uniqueness to the race that is set before you. And it's distinct between your race and the race that is set before someone else. And don't get me wrong, we're all in the same race. We all know where this is going. We're not running aimlessly. We know where the finish line is. We know that the prize is knowing Christ and being known by Christ. But I am convinced that on our way there, there is something that is unique, distinctive, particular. In fact, let's say it this way. Next slide. Let's say it this way. There is a specificity and a particularity to the race that you are called to run. There is a specificity and a particularity to the race that you are called to run. And it's distinct. It's it's the one that's designed because of who you are. And it's made up of all the things that make up you and all your uniqueness. Your physical, emotional, psychological makeup. Your family of origin. Those early childhood experiences that shaped you and formed you and created a kind of trajectory for you. There is a race being laid before you for which you are uniquely designed to run. And I know that may be a source of frustration from time to time for some people because we will say to ourselves, well, why me? Why this race for me? Why couldn't I have had that race? Because they seem to be doing okay, and this race over here seems to be a lot more easier to navigate. Why all the obstacles and hurdles and, and puddles, and, and, and why all the, the problems in my race? And, and you may ask yourself, I'm, why am I... I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too smart, I'm too not smart. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not smart enough and and therefore I can't keep up or I'm too smart and, and nobody gets me or understands me. Or maybe I came from this family and they didn't have the resources that I might be able to pursue my dreams so I had to chase this other path. Or maybe I came from this family and they had all the resources I ever wanted. In fact, gave me everything I ever asked for. Therefore, I've always had what I needed and, and now I'm just bored to tears and I don't know what to do next. And in all those circumstances, I'm saying to you that the race that is set before you, whether you asked for this event or not, is uniquely designed to be run by you. And everything that is required for you to run that race faithfully, you already have. You already have. Here's what I'm thinking about today. I'm thinking about this young lady. Do you know who this is? Yusra Mardini. Do you know that name? Yusra Mardini was an Olympic swimmer this year. She competed a couple of weeks ago, and she won her first, uh, her first heat in the race in which she was swimming. She didn't make it to the finals, but she gave it a mighty effort. She's on the refugee team. The most important race of her life was not in Rio, but when she was 18 years old, her most important race was in the Aegean Sea. She was running for her life, and she, with her sister and 18 others, were in a boat in the Aegean Sea that was sinking. And because she was a swimmer, because that's who she was, because that's what she could do, because she was uniquely designed to run that kind of race. You know what she did? Sinking in the middle of the Asian, Asiatic Sea, she gets out of the boat into the water and swims for three hours, pushing the boat to dry ground. 
and saves all 20 lives. Sometimes there is a race set before us for which you are uniquely designed to run. And it may baffle you to think how in the world do the pieces come together and why is it that this race has landed before me, but there's something in you that God already knows qualifies you to run the difficult race that is laid in front of you. You're made for it. You're made for it. I think about Michael Phelps. We've been talking about him for three weeks. I'm about ready to stop talking about him, but I got one more thing to say about him. I'm thinking about Michael Phelps. The reason he is just this incredible champion in the water is not only the regiment and his hard work. We talked about that last week. But have you, have you seen his body? I mean, he's got abs like Glenn Crossway. I mean, it's... I'm just sorry. Sorry, Glenn. All right. No, he... No kidding. He's got this long torso, short legs, long arms, gills. He's got everything necessary. So when you put him in the water, that's what he's made to do. And he can do it. Do you know who's not made that way? Ariel Singh. Do you remember Ariel Singh? Ariel Singh didn't make it to the Olympics this year. In fact, she's studying at Princeton right now. She's a little busy. But she was there in London, and she was the American champion, and she took it to the Chinese team. She was incredible at the sport of table tennis. In fact, I absolutely loved watching her in her element. Take about 10 to 12 seconds and watch her do her thing. Watch this. She's in red. Dancing around like a spider monkey. Watch her. Watch her. And listen to her after every point. She has a characteristic, unique cry. Listen to what she says. All right. She was bad. She was bad. She was interviewed during those Olympic Games and asked about her sport and asked about her athleticism. And do you know what she said? I'll never forget it. She said these words, I'm not really athletic at all. My friends even make fun of me because I can't sprint. I waddle. Isn't that great? But I have a natural ability to play table tennis. My favorite part about watching her is that cry at the end every time she gets a game point. Sah! You know, Sa, which I think is Chinese for in your face. You know, right? Sue, is that right? Is that right, Sue? Yes. It's a loose translation. Yeah, okay. okay. But the point, the point is, the point, don't put her in the water and don't put her on the track. Give her a ping pong paddle. There is a race that is unique to each of us, and when we discover it, when we are in our sweet spot, oh, it's beautiful. This reminds me of, and it has become cliche by now, but I gotta I got got say it. You remember on Chariots of Fire, and that real life Olympian, Eric Little, when he was asked, Why do you run? Why is it that you run? And he says, Because God made me fast. Because when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Friends, what race is it that when you are running it, you feel God's pleasure? 
You know, Frederick Buechner has said, and I've, I've said it before, that your calling in life is where your deep gladness and the world's deep need meet. Where is it that when you are running this particular race, you feel God's pleasure in your life? Well, this text helps us to discover that because it's not just that we want to be in this race and feel God's pleasure. It's not just that we want to make sure that we're running the race that we're designed to run. But the text promises us that on our way to the race, on our way to the track, to the lane, to the whatever, there will be some challenges. In fact, this is how it's put. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, watch this, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. In order for you to faithfully run the race that is uniquely set before you, you have to lay some things aside. Some things have to first be laid aside. And I don't know what it is for you. In fact, only you and God can discern together what it is that you know you must lay aside if you are going to run the race that is for you to run. For example, it says there, every weight and every sin that clings so closely. Well, the sin that clings so closely for you may not be the same as the sin that clings so closely to me. But either way, there's a laying aside of something and that comes through confession and repentance. Through saying to the Lord, I recognize that you've set me on this path and I know I'm up to it. But most days I'm distracted. Most days I make choices that, that get me out of my lane. I confess to you that I don't want to do that anymore. Help me lay aside the thing that weighs me down. Do you know so many of us are weighed down in this race that we're running? So weighed down we can't even run it. But we're weighed down by a variety of things. Some of us are weighed down by sin. Some of us are weighed down by guilt or shame or embarrassment over some failure. Do you know what I saw this week on Thursday? You saw it too. And, and my, my jaw hit the floor as I watched it. I thought, this thing is preaching itself. Thursday, you know who these girls are? Hmm. These are our U.S. champion women's 4 by 400 relay. These are some fast Americans. And they have won gold six events in a row in this 4 by 100, or 4 by 400 four by 400 relay and on Thursday in their race in their unique event for which they were ready to just annihilate something goes wrong you know what happens a runner next to uh, Allison Felix there uh, elbows her in her lane distracts her when she's trying to hand the baton off it, she fumbles that whole pass off it drops the, the, the baton and they are automatically disqualified watch the few seconds of this thing unfold Frustratingly, Kenny, it was about a stride and a half out. Now look at this contact between Felix there and the Brazilian. 
nothing he can do about that. And they're in their element, they're in their race, in the groove, in the rhythm, and something interferes and they drop the baton, grounds for automatic disqualification. And I am saying to you, count on it. In your lane, in your groove, in your rhythm, when you discover the race that is set before you and you muster the courage to run it, there will absolutely be an interference, something that will uh, conspire against you to disqualify you from finishing the race. Something will be dropped. Something will be uh, uh, broken. Something will fail. And you will have every possible excuse to bail, to get out and stop running. But in this moment, she did something, Felix did, that changed the, the, the whole course of the race. She understood something about how the rules worked. She knew that if they finished the race, they would have grounds to, to question and to go under review and possibly get to run the race again. In other words, she knew that something had already been written ahead of time that gave her some undergirding, that gave her some sense of confidence that perhaps if we persevere in the end, something will work out on our side, in our favor. And she literally said to English Gardner, who she was trying to pass off to, it's not on that film, but she literally said, you can't even write, write it this way. It's so beautiful. She says, she bends over, get, get a picture of her bending over, picking up the baton. She hands the baton to her and says, finish the race. Finish the race. And she did. And the USA came in dead last. Like way behind like Kazakhstan or something. It was way last. And then they reviewed it and determined that there was interference. And they were allowed to rerun their race. <laughs> but this time, they ran their race again and they were the only ones on the track. Take a look at how they finished this time with no interference on the track. All they have to do is finish underneath the worst time. One more handoff. All she has to do is get it in the hands of Akinosin at the top of the lane. Away they and go. Then good night, Irene. And surely they're going to get inside the time here. Akinosin, born in Nigeria, she says she don't wake up today to be mediocre, and she's not mediocre. She has got the United yeah. States. In you the don't fight. wake up to be mediocre. And she finished strong. It qualified them to go to the finals. And they won gold decidedly when the finals came. The beauty of that story for me is not just, hey, one more gold, uh, one more victory. The beauty of the story is this. When you decide to finish the race, when you pick up the baton in all of its failure, in all of its trouble, and have the faith to keep putting one foot in front of the next... Even when you feel as if you are the only one on the track, when there's no one else on the track and it feels completely isolating and alone, victory can be yours. Yeah, yeah. But I got to tell you, and I know we probably don't have time to do it, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> I got to show you something that for me wraps up these conversations so powerfully because sometimes it does feel as if we are the only ones on the track. It feels as if we're the only ones putting one foot in front of the next and everybody else's life looks so clean and so easy and so simple. And so why should I continue to finish my race? Well, some of you understand and know that um, my family 
my mother's side of the family, my mother who's watching right now, is from Liverpool, England. And all of my mother and her people are from Liverpool. The Liverpool Football Club has a unique tradition. They're an incredible football club, and they have a long string of traditions. But the most interesting to me is this one. The crowd that makes up the stadium at the Liverpool game is called the Cop Choir, the K-O-P Choir. And they sing to their players. They sing to the boys on the field. Whether they're winning or they're losing, they sing. And do you know what they sing to them? This, these, these tens of thousands of voices surrounding them as a great cloud of witnesses. They sing to them whether they are winning and losing. And the, 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 the song they sing is you'll never walk alone. And the chorus of that song is, so walk on. Walk on with hope in your hearts, and you'll never walk alone. I want you to watch this clip. But I don't want you to watch it as a spectator watching the Liverpool Football Club and their fans encouraging them as they prepare to take the field. I want you to watch this as the writer of Hebrews suggests there is something right now in unseen dimensions happening. You and I are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those who have already run their races, those who have already fallen on the track and picked themselves back up, and they have finished the race, they have completed the course, and they sing to you, to you. To not lose hope, but to walk on. Because when you walk, even if it feels as if you're the only one on the track, you never, in this Christian faith, walk alone. Take a look. But when you are part of Liverpool Football Club, you'll never walk alone. song of the Lord. Get up a bit there, Matt.
And my sisters and brothers, I want to say to you, whatever it is that is causing you to want to get out of the race and to leave the game, whatever it is that gives you days when you despair as if you may be the only one on the field, know this, everyone you've ever loved and everyone you've ever lost and the multitudes of sisters and brothers from across the ages sings to us now. Can you hear them? And their, their word to us is to persevere. Put one foot in front of the next. Run with perseverance the race set before you. And when you doubt, look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Let's pray. God, give someone this day the courage. Give someone this day the faith to endure in following you. Give someone this day the resolve to say yes to the race that is set uniquely before them and remind them that they have in them already right now everything they could possibly need to run it faithfully. And we pray that you would encourage the saints in this way today and always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen.